Good morning, Hope Church. Let's start with a word of prayer together. Father, we thank you. Thank you because you love us. Thank you because you care for us. Thank you because you have given us all that we need for life and for godliness. And I pray today that you would encourage us, strengthen us, help us, be with us, Lord, and let us know your mighty power at work in us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's great to be with you again this morning. Last week, we looked at how we can hear together and I laid out the kind of things we're looking to do as we meet back together in our building. And this really was a bit of a foundation. And what we're looking to do this week is just to expand that a little bit. You know, the foundation really for us is that we are a body together. We are not individuals doing our own thing. We are not disconnected entities, but we are a body together. This highlights the fact that God works through his entire body. Think about the logic for a moment. Uh, when you do something, your whole body gets involved. Not every part to the same extent, but certainly the whole body is involved. We're told this in the letter of 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verse 26. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honoured, all the parts are honoured. Now, I like this illustration. You know, we might not think our whole body gets involved, but let me tell you, you just stub your toe and you see how quickly all of your body springs into action. Why is this important? Because God has created humanity as a unit. We are a family together. There are no races. There is only one single human race. Therefore, we're all together. We have the same value. We're brothers and sisters together. Now, the world has encouraged us to separate. It's got lots of different groups that fight one against the other. And the world often focuses on individual freedoms at the expense of the corporate whole. Now, that doesn't wash with God. We are responsible for one another. Uh, Cain and Abel really explains that, that we are responsible for each other. And this should be clearly demonstrated in how the church functions. God does not give any individual all they need to get through it alone. Let me tell you that again. God does not give any individual everything they need to get through life. You might say, well, I have Jesus. Yeah, but you have Jesus in the context of the body of Christ, which is other believers. Now, it should be common sense when we read the Bible. Jesus walked with the disciples on the earth, but when he left, he didn't leave them alone. He sent the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does not leave us alone. We are not orphans, as we are told in the Bible. The Bible says that we have another comforter. Let's take it a step further. Jesus doesn't give one individual all the spiritual gifts. No one person has all the gifts. What does he do? He spreads those gifts throughout his body. Uh, this means that if we are not part of a local fellowship, we do not have access to everything we need. We need one another. Now, I can't uh, stress just how important this is enough because we need one another. Let me tell you, we need one another. Some will argue that all they need is Jesus, but that doesn't make sense when you think that Jesus' body is made up of other believers. If you only need Jesus, you need his body, and that is the rest of the believers. 
Jesus chose many people to be his body. And so anyone who steps out of that body and says, well, I don't need fellowship and I don't need to be part of a local church, they will find that they will quickly fall away from Christ. They will end up believing all kinds of false ideas because they are missing the connection and the gifts that will sustain the life that is within them. Now, there are many illustrations of this. The church, which is Christ's body, is likened to many different things. I'm going to mention a few as we go down. All of these examples require it to be connected with other things. Let's talk about some of these images. So we've got the image of the vine, John 15. We've got the image of the temple and we've got the image of the body that we've already mentioned. Each of these is not an isolated unit. A vine needs roots and it needs branches without which there will be no fruit and no life. A temple needs priests and worshippers and a body needs other bodily parts. Anyone who believes that they don't need the church is already in deception. Anyone who thinks that God will sustain a lone ranger lifestyle is deceived. I know some have to do it out of necessity and Christ sustains them, but if people choose not to be part of a local fellowship and think they can go it alone, they are living in deception. All of this should be obvious. And yet, when you look at how some who claim to follow Christ live, it's evident that it's not as obvious as we would think. If you look at the gifts that Jesus gives to the church, for example, they are all needed. I'm going to list just some of the gifts. This is not a complete list. I'm pulling these out of 1 Corinthians 12. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, those who do miracles, those who have gifts of healing, those who can help others, those who have a gift of leadership, and those who can speak in unknown languages. Stepping out of the church means we no longer have access to those gifts. Now, there are other gifts mentioned, you know, things like hospitality is a gift, speaking, serving. These are all gifts. And once we step out of a local fellowship, we cease to have access to those gifts. These gifts are given because Jesus knows they are necessary. There is no such thing as a super Christian life or a deluxe Christian life or a better Christian life. There is one Christian life. And Jesus has given these gifts because he knows they are essential for his body to be healthy and to grow. And if we remove ourselves, we miss out on those gifts and we will suffer the consequence through that. Now, the conclusion of this should be plain to see. We cannot hope to live the Christian life alone. We need one another. We also need the gifts that each one brings. If there are believers missing from its local fellowship, then that local fellowship will in the end lead to death if those gifts are not replaced. It will also spell spiritual death for any believer who fails to connect to a local fellowship because they need the life that comes out of those other gifts. If we take again the example of the physical body, you can remove the organs from the body, but if you continue to do so, at some point, the body will die. Or the organs that are removed from the body, if you put them somewhere, they will also die. 
The whole point here is, is that our fulfillment and our purpose is part of Christ's body. And so my first main point this morning is this, we need one another. We can't sustain this Christian life on our own, in our own little corner of the world. So why do we need one another? Why has God placed us together? Well, there are a number of reasons. Firstly, to support and to encourage. We need that. Secondly, to grow and to be transformed. And thirdly, so that we fulfill Christ's tasks that he has given to his body, the church. Now, living as a follower of Jesus is not easy. And let me be really clear, Jesus didn't promise it would. In Acts 14 verse 22, we are told um, they encouraged them to continue in the faith, reminding them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Well, why do we have to suffer hardships? Well, it's quite simple. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says, Satan, who is the God of this world. Remember, Satan is the God of this world and Satan is not going to make it easy for you to follow Jesus. He's going to make it as hard and as difficult as he can make it. But let me tell you, it is not impossible because with Jesus, all things are possible. And not only are we going to need each other, we are going to need the gifts that Jesus has given to each one of us so that we will get through. And we will get to be where God wants us to be through working together. You know, this is not something that is really new. It's something that we know about, but the challenge is we want to see it in practice. We want to see a unified group of followers of Jesus living and working together. Let me tell you, such a group is an unstoppable force. The gates of hell, we are told, cannot prevail against this church. How do we become like this? The answer is by the Holy Spirit who dwells on earth in the church. Let me read you from Acts. This is Acts 13 verse 1 to 3. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, uh, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. We see a picture here of a local church. This one happened to be in a place called Antioch. They had people who knew and who operated in their spiritual gifts. Now, I really want you to see this next point. They were worshipping and fasting together. And in this context, the Holy Spirit moved. How did he move? He worked through the spiritual gifts that he had given to his church. And in the Antioch context, it was through the apostles and prophets. And notice that it was the Holy Spirit who said. He said to them, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Barnabas and Saul were one of the most fruitful missionaries the world has seen. Their missionary journeys are legendary and are recorded in the New Testament. And it saw the gospel go all the way through Turkey and beyond. All of this was set in motion by the Holy Spirit through the use of spiritual gifts. 
the same Holy Spirit that you possess and I possess, the same spiritual gifts that are open to you and I. Therefore, surely in our context, we can also be led like that to do great things by the Holy Spirit. Notice that they didn't do the missionary journey because a committee decided they should. They didn't do it by a business plan or because of a statistical analysis. It was a direction from start to finish by the Holy Spirit. I mean, I'm pausing for a moment because I want this to sink in. An amazing, world-changing, world-transforming missionary journey was started as believers worshipped and fasted together and allowed the Holy Spirit to speak through them with his gifts and it changed the face of the known world. As you go on to read about these journeys in the book of Acts, you will discover that the Holy Spirit wasn't finished with directing. He continued to direct. He said, don't go here, but go there. He continued to direct these guys in what he had called them to do. In fact, all of Paul's missionaries' journeys over many, many years were all directed this way by the Holy Spirit. This leads to a simple fact. With the Holy Spirit, we can do the impossible. We could be like the church in Antioch. How? By each of us using our gifts. It will require some shift in our thinking and expectations. We can't, for instance, come to church and just look at the platform and a program. But it means that when we get together, if we are open to the Holy Spirit, he could use anyone. He could use anyone in the building that is open to him and loves him. And I want to ask you this morning, are you open for the Holy Spirit to use you to transform the world? Now, I'm not saying transforming just by us using our gifts, but out of that will spring action that will have an impact in the world around us. Now, it does mean that we need to change the way we meet. And if you've been at our past few meetings, you'll notice that it is beginning to change. We are no longer focusing on a program on the platform, but we are giving space for the Holy Spirit to direct us when we meet together. And let me tell you, I am up for that. I am all up for that. You know, our first few meetings back made space for that. We're not going to do this in a single day because we're practicing, we're learning, we're developing. We're going to make mistakes, but who cares? We're working towards the Holy Spirit directing and working through us. And I believe that the potential is as powerful as it was for the church in Antioch. And I'm so excited about what the Holy Spirit will do in your life, in my life, in the life of the body of Christ at Marsh Lane. I'm excited at what he will do. And so I want you to think about it. I want you to spend some time praying about it. I want you to seek God. You know, I want to encourage you to attend our meetings, that as we gather together, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. You know, I'm going now and I think, you know, I don't know what's going to happen today. Yeah, we're going to have some worship, but then the Holy Spirit is going to speak through people. Yeah, we will have a word that God brings, but actually there will be a freedom and a dynamism of the Holy Spirit to work through us to speak and bring life.
Let's be open to the Holy Spirit. Let's be encouraged that he might do just about anything. Imagine the ministries that might be birthed through that. Imagine the effectiveness that we will receive as God's people in West Brom. We could be a catalyst for the Holy Spirit to transform the world around us, just as Paul and Barnabas did. I believe that the Holy Spirit has laid out a challenge before us. Will we rise to it? I'm certainly all in. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you love us, that you care for us. We thank you that you've given us amazing gifts and that there is an amazing future for Hope Church. And Father, would you help us? Would you fill us with the Holy Spirit? Would you excite us in what you are looking to do? And would you give us a hope for the future in the precious name of Jesus? Amen. God bless you. Have a really great day.